QP Sports Exchange is back on the air. It is Hoop Questions Monday. It's your host, Vince. We are going to kind of steer clear of the usual rundown and how we get down and talk about the house and this and that. I have a couple things that I need to get off my chest, but we'll give you the rundown real quick and then I'll get into what we kind of need to talk about. We're going to talk about Chris Paul and the Love Fest, and it is all well-deserved. We're also going to hit on the Atlanta Philly series and how that's going. We're going to talk some Brooklyn-Milwaukee Bucks and how that series has flipped itself. I have some Clipper Jazz questions, actually. And I have some draft notes that I want to get off. And I have a shout out to one of my guys who has been a friend of the program for a long period of time. He is class of 2023 guard Braylon McCain. And I'm going to give you an update on him. But before we get to all that, there's a couple things that we need to talk about. Um, I don't know if everybody's kind of honed in on this, but it looks like Becky Hammond, the assistant coach of the San Antonio Spurs, is in amongst the league candidates for a couple of the NBA positions that are open. And I started to, I'm writing a story that will end up on the website, questionpointpodnetwork.com. So within the next day or so, go look that up. Um, because I believe that this is a really historic moment in NBA. I think this is a real breakthrough for women and I am really happy about this progress, but the amount of people that I talked to in regards to Becky Hammond becoming a NBA head coach, the pushback was absolutely astonishing to me and uh, so I have a rant and I'm gonna get this off to all my NBA fans that are out there who are questioning whether she's too emotional to be a head coach and what it's going to look like in the locker room and all of that if you have daughters or stepdaughters or young women that are in your life You need to tell those young ladies to go and play with their easy bake ovens, their dolls, learn how to go ahead and cook with their mama and stop watching sports with you. That take is so archaic and so caveman style that I couldn't even believe it. I talked to about 60 people, okay, via text or just coming across them or whatever, And 45 people out of 60 were like, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know how that looks. I don't know what that is going to, you know, how that's going to play out. And my, my thoughts on this is that I can't believe we're still here. You know, you sound like the guy who said that black quarterbacks can't, process information the same way white quarterbacks do. That's what you sound like. You sound like a person who is 
definitely longing for the days where women were in the kitchen barefoot and pregnant. That's what you sound like. And they're like, no, Vince, that's not that's that's not how it goes down. It's just this this particular instance. Well, if it's this particular instance, then you need to really evaluate how you're looking at things. Because this woman has been a assistant for seven years. She's seen it all. Hell, she coaches with Greg Popovich of all people. That's not the easiest dude to get along with. If anybody who's going to put pressure on her, it'd be Greg Popovich. And he believes that she's an NBA head coach. Tim Duncan thinks the same thing. That dude's a Hall of Famer, by the way. He's co-signing that. So for all my dudes out there that are trying to get off these hot takes about whether she's too emotional to do this, what happens at that time of the month or what have you, you're now coin this. Those are my easy bake oven dudes. That is what you are from here until the end of time. I think what you should do is reevaluate what you're doing in your house and stop putting caps and glass ceilings on people because of their gender. I thought we were past this. I thought that we were in a situation with people who have open minds and what have you. Shout out to my guys who did not have that take. My locker room guys did not have that take. But there were a lot of people who did. And uh, it was really alarming to me. And I felt that I needed to go ahead and say that. So I'm going to tell you right now. I do not want in my Twitter these following items. I do not want to know, you know, what... It's going to look like when a superstar yells at her, is she going to crumble? I'm not, I don't want to hear about whether she loses the team because she's a female and they won't take her seriously. Ask the summer league team a couple years ago for the San Antonio Spurs who won the, uh, the Vegas uh, run, the championship. I don't think they had a problem with her. And a lot of those guys are on the team now. And I believe that she is well respected. She is a excellent coach. Her excellent her excellent O's are awesome. And also she has 16 years of basketball experience at the pro level. She's played in Russia and other places. And like I said, she's paid her dues on the sidelines with Greg Popovich for seven years. So I don't know what more she can do for you to sit there and go, well, yeah, let's give her a chance. Hell, I'd rather see her than Stan Van Gundy get his third shot and still not know how to use Zion Williamson. Give me Becky Hammond over Stan Van Gundy. No offense to Stan, He's gotten some opportunities, and he should. I'm not saying that he's not qualified at all, 
Well, what I'm saying is, is that maybe we have a different take, a different approach to this subject, and maybe we give some of these longtime assistants who've been grinding, putting together game plans for a long period of time, waiting for this opportunity to open up. This also goes for black assistants and people who are also maybe uh, Latino Americans, as far as that's concerned. We want an inclusive society, correct? I thought that's what America was all about. A big melting pot of people and ideas and religions. And we all try to kind of coexist with one another and respect people's ideas. If that is not you, I don't want you up in my Twitter talking about, well, she lost a game. I don't know. Is she crying? Is she eating Haggadahs in her in the coach's room? Is she opening a bottle of wine with some tissues? I don't want to hear any of that. That is narrow-minded thinking by narrow-minded people, and I'm not going to have it. But I needed to go ahead and get that off my chest. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with Becky Hammonds and the Trailblazers and the Orlando Magic and possibly the Indiana Pacers. Oh, by the way, it's not just Becky Hammond. Kara Lawson of the Celtics is also looking at an interview for the Celtics gig. So there could be one or two women coaches in the NBA next year. So I am glad for this progress. It is a long time coming and we'll see how they do. And we're going to judge them on the merit of how they do. We're not going to judge them on their length of hair or what mascara they wore. We're going to judge them on are they getting the most out of these NBA players? Have they moved the program along? That's what we're going to judge them on. So that's it for that one. The other piece of news that I want to kind of talk about is this. Nikola Jokic yesterday got a flagrant two in a win or go home playoff game. Now, this is the MVP of the National Basketball Association. A flagrant two. Now, albeit he should have got a technical foul for that, that should have been a flagrant one, in my opinion. But a flagrant two on the MVP, and it was a hard foul, mind you, but it was a basketball play. Yes, he hit the man in the face. I do understand that. Cameron Payne was on the ground. But he got all ball once he hit Cameron Payne. And I found it interesting that a lot of guys that I respect um, went out on Twitter. Uh, Chris Vernon of the Mismatch podcast and... Tim Bontemps of the Hoop Collective podcast with Brian Windhorse, they went to Twitter and said, that was an awful foul. Yes, it was a flagrant too. 
Now, these gentlemen, I respect. Usually, we are in lockstep with some of the with the opinions, and also they've been covering the NBA for a long time, and I respect their coverage of the NBA. But I couldn't disagree with them more. I just could not because if that was a flagrant two, Nikola Jokic is the most athletic man in the NBA. For him to come down that hard, hit that man in the face, and then get nothing but ball to knock it out of bounds, pretty impressive if that was his intent. Like, I'm going to hit this, I'm going to wind up, hit this dude, and then to kind of play it off, I'm going to make sure that I get all ball. I don't think that was his intent. I think there was an intent for a hard foul. I think there was an intent to actually get the basketball, be physical, playoff basketball. I thought that's what we were doing. But here's my question. If that was LeBron James, if that was Kevin Durant, do they get kicked out in a win or go home game? Do, do they get kicked out? I'm going to say 99.5% certain they do not get kicked out. So I don't think that Denver was going to win the series. We'll get to that in a second with Chris Paul. But to have the best player in the league this year kicked out over that foul was brutal. And it was absolutely atrocious. And somebody in the league office should be looking at that and we should make adjustments accordingly. So those are my two rants. Like I said, we're not getting into what went on in the house or everything like that. We had to get to this because those two stories to me were important and we needed to shed light on those and we did so. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause for a second and then we're going to get back to the business of happiness and celebrating people. And we're going to talk about some CP3. So don't you go away. back and we're going to talk about Chris Paul and his performance yesterday and his performance throughout the playoffs. Number one, I am happy to see CP3 get to the Western Conference Finals. I am happy to see him relatively healthy with that shoulder that might still be bothering him, but it looks like it's improving every single day. And last night, he put, along with Devin Booker, he put the Phoenix Suns in the Western Conference Finals. Now, the great thing about this is, is that he is one step away 
from achieving something that he's been chasing his whole NBA career. Chris Paul has never gotten to an NBA Finals. And let me tell you something. I don't, we're going to get to that Clippers Jazz series later in the podcast. But man, rest, little recuperation before you have to play the Jazz or Clippers, which they, in the series with the Jazz, in the regular season, which the regular season is completely different, but they are 3-0 and against the Jazz. And they are 1-2 and against the Clippers. Now, I don't think at that time, um, this Suns team was exactly what they are now. And you can see Chris Paul's fingerprints on every part of this team. I mean, just the balance of scoring up until last night when Devin Booker and Chris Paul had to be stars. I mean, they literally said, okay, we're not going to have a game five. We're going to go ahead and end this right now, and we're going to end it in the Mile High City straight up, and you and I are going to get it done. Chris Paul dropping 38 just looking just filthy in that mid-range. Devin Booker looking like a real man, rising up for three. I mean, it was beautiful to watch as we saw the MVP and his battered teammates get eliminated. You know, you we could say all we want about what Phoenix has gone through, the gauntlet, which, you know, it hasn't been. You know, AD gets hurt. Was LeBron compromised? Now, the backcourt or Denver and how shorthanded they were. But you know what they've done? They've taken care of business. They've absolutely just smashed people. And that's what you do when you're the better team. If somebody has injuries, you're not sitting there playing with them. And letting it go six for no apparent reason. You smash these guys and get them out of the playoffs so you can rest. So when you do face a challenge, which unless unless we continue to see jazz guards go down like flies, and we'll like I said, we'll get to that later. But now they have time to rest, they can Definitely hone in on who they're going to play. So the scouting report should be pretty good. It's all lining up for Chris Paul. So my man won't just be known for State Farm commercials with Jake. His twin brother Cliff. Turning into a basketball with Sabrina Inescu. He'll be known as somebody who was just killing it. And just devastating people with that fall away 12 to 15 footer that he seems to get over seven footers with tons of regularity. You know what I'm saying? This guy did everything in this series. You know, he coached. He definitely organized the the plays. You could see him just orchestrating, getting people in position. 
He had bridges looking awesome. He infused some confidence into Cameron Payne. I'm sure that there was some consulting going on with Microsoft. I wonder if he shot a State Farm commercial during the uh, the Denver Nuggets series. I'm sure he had time. This dude did everything. Because if you look at the Phoenix Suns, right? You look at them right now. And then compare to the Phoenix Suns last year. What's the difference? Monty Williams was a coach. Devin Booker was Devin Booker last year. DeAndre Ayton was there. Cam Cam Johnson was there. Mikael Bridges was there. I mean, what's different on this team? One guy. CP3. That's the difference. He was able to take a franchise that has been much maligned. People have talked about their owner savagely and also it was 100% true about Sarver but Chris Paul has elevated that team he's got them in a different mindset and also this dude should get like a Nobel Peace Prize for galvanization of a team I'm gonna call for Chris Paul in 2022 getting a Nobel Peace Prize right now. Can we give him a Pulitzer as well? Maybe we can get him a Tony Award for Best Choreography. That sounds good. We might be able to get this dude an Oscar for Best Director. I don't know. I think the possibilities are endless. He's done everything in Phoenix. Absolutely everything. And I couldn't be more happier for him. I'm glad that he's getting his shine and his burn. You know, in the national stage, is getting to see Chris Paul the way we have been seeing Chris Paul for all these years as the point God. This dude is filthy. He's getting it done at 36 years of age. And he is putting his stamp on this playoffs. So, super excited about that. Now, we're going to get to some other things. Um, da, da, da. All right. I have big time takes on what's going on with the Philly ATL series. So here we go. Um, I think it's time right now for Trey Young to make some adjustments. Okay, game one, Trey Young, he went wherever he wanted on the court. He was super aggressive, and it looked real easy. Now game two and game three, Philly put Ben Simmons and Matisse Thibel and all that length, and it affected Trey Young a lot. And we saw it. Um, you saw it in the shot attempts. And you also saw it in his 
decision making with some of the passes he threw. So let's go over this a little bit. This is his shot attempts for the first three games. Game one, he had 23 attempts. Game two, he had 16 attempts. Game three, he had 17 attempts. Now, that is kind of a big difference. Okay? When you're going from 16 to 17 to 23, that's a big deal. That means that he is not free and easy anymore. He's not just floating out there, getting to whatever, what area, what area he wants to get to. Okay. He's not doing that. Okay. Now here's the other thing with this. What I also noticed that's affecting him with the length is that the passes cross court because he has to get them over the 6'10 Ben Simmons and the 6'6 Matisse Thiwo, but what is it? I think he has a 6'11, 7-foot wingspan. He's looping the ball over cross court, but by the time the ball gets to the open man who's standing in the corner for the three-point shot, his defender is recovered already because it took so much time for the ball to travel in the air. So by the time he gets it, his defender is in great position, whether for you to try to drive or shoot that three-point shot. So there has to be an adjustment by Trey Young. Now, what what worked in the Knicks series that we haven't seen a lot of is Trey Young off the ball. And I think if you ran Ben Simmons and Matisse Thiewold through the gauntlet on the in the um underneath the rim. You know, let your center and your power forward touch them up a little bit on screens. And then we see what kind of open look that Trey gets at that point. So there has to be an adjustment. I'm thinking that Trey Young will make that adjustment. And I can't wait to see this game in a couple hours. But I'm I'm looking forward to it. Now, the other thing about this series that Atlanta might want to do is I think the loss of DeAndre Hunter is really affecting them. And let me explain why. Game two, Philadelphia shot 53% from the field. They also shot 46% from three. Game three, they shot 58% for the entire game from the field. And they shot 48% from three. Maybe the Hawks should allow... Philly center Joel Embiid just to eat and get his monster numbers and then shut the others down because leaving Seth Curry wide open for threes is not good for your playoff health. Okay? Leaving Tobias Harris all by his lonesome so he can just go ahead and drive and back people down to the paint area and get whatever shot he wants, that doesn't seem to be effective either. Either, Like I said, 58% and 56% or 53% from the field. I mean, that's monstrous. That's crazy. That means their looks are super easy. They don't feel any pressure whatsoever. And there must be an adjustment made. I'm thinking, you know what? Leave Capella on Joel and B. Don't double 
Don't give these shooters wide open looks. It's not like they're great shooters. Keep in mind what what Philly's backcourt is. It's Seth Curry and a bunch of dudes. All right? So Danny Green is out for two to three weeks with a calf strain. I bet you that's somewhat of an Achilles situation. George Hill doesn't look great. You know, so Shake Milton had the game of his life in game two. But can you count on that? Because Doc Rivers kind of put him in deep freeze for a while. And then also, how come Tobias Harris looks like the second coming of Paul Pierce? Why is that dude getting off for 22, 24 points a game? Yeah, shut that guy down. Here's the other thing. If Joel B gets 45 points, right? That still means that the, the rest of the team has to get 70. And if you are on them and paying close attention to them and less attention to Embiid, they're going to they're going to have a hard time getting to 70 points. Cuz there's not a lot of shot creators in that group. Ben Simmons is kind of skittish on touching the ball unless it's like a dr- straight drive to the basket and an and one because his free throw shooting is absolutely abysmal. You know, Seth Curry is really the spot up shooter guy. But if you get him going off the dribble, he is not his brother. He's not that guy. Catch and shoot guy, 100%. But killing people off the dribble, that's not Seth's game. So I think we hope to see in game four, which is going to happen in about an hour and a half, that there's some adjustments that Nate McMillan has made, and we just allow Joe LB go crazy, and then we can go ahead and stop the others. I think that might be the recipe for success for the Atlanta Hawks. But I'm hoping for Trey Young to come out and do his best Steph Curry impression and run these dudes off screens and see what kind of... Because you know Trey doesn't need a lot of space. He needs a little bit of space and just a tad of time. And then you know it's going up. So I look for some changes. I look for some adjustments in game four. I hope that that's what we see because this series has been entertaining. I love Joel Embiid. I love Trey Young. I love to see the dynamic between the big man and the and the just very creative ball handling wizard, which is Trey Young. So I'm looking forward to more of that, and I hope we get seven games. But if we go to game four and Atlanta doesn't make adjustments, this series could be over very quickly, very quickly. So can't wait to see what that lines up like. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Brooklyn now and the Milwaukee Bucks. Okay, so it was 2-0. It was looking bleak. There were only two superstars on the floor, KD and Kyrie. Everything was looking good for Brooklyn. Then they went to Milwaukee. 
there was a game where it was very muddled up. Milwaukee did exactly what they needed to do and kind of bring this game to a grinding halt. And still, they barely su- survived game three. Now we fast forward to game four. Kyrie Irving sprains his ankle severely. And the other news with that is, is that huh, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets came out and said, oh, he's done for the series. And then the front office walked that back real quick. They were like, uh, yeah, well, he doesn't know what he's talking about. But my man Kyrie left on crutches and he had a boot. That does not look well for game five at all. And it doesn't look that like James Harden is coming back anytime soon as well. So KD will be on his own. Now, the great thing about this is, is that if you look at it as a positive, KD looks like he's going to get his chance to really cement his legacy. If he comes out like the easy money sniper that he is and carries that team to a victory, this is going to change a little the perspective around him. Now, I don't know who's going to be the facilitator of the basketball. Mike James is a guy who can create his own shot, but can he create a shot for Joe Harris? Can he create a shot for Blake Griffin and the others? Bruce Grounds of the world. I don't know. I don't know who's going to be that point guard. But game five is now looking way different than it should have been. With only one of the big three on the court, Milwaukee looks like they might be in the driver's seat. And if you would have told me that after game two, I would have laughed at you. I would have thought you were absolutely out of your mind. But things change really quick in the NBA. For sure. So what we're going to do is going to take a quick break. We're going to come back with some thoughts and some questions about the Clippers and the Jazz. So stay tuned. Be right back. But you don't hear me though. Yo, we are back, and I am very confused by the Clippers and the Jazz series. I have questions, I hope, that can be answered. So, uh, first thing that I'm confused about is, why did it take the Clippers two games to figure out that the small lineup was the best lineup for them? I mean, we all saw it in the previous series that that was the lineup. That was the lineup that was the most effective and it seemed for their offense to flow. 
and they caused a lot of havoc with that particular lineup. And now, amazingly, in game three, that's what we see. We see the small lineup return. Playoff P is playoff P is back. Kawhi is still a machine. And they took game three. And now we're heading into game four tonight. And after the Atlanta Philly game, I will be honed in on that one as well. So we got two games tonight. It's going to be awesome. You know where I'm going to be in front of the TV, taking notes and getting information for who questions Monday next week. So that's what's going on. But I do have questions. Now, the other thing is that we know that Serge Ibaka is now going to have back surgery. So he's done for the year. We don't have to look for him to come back. But this series has created more questions than answers. And some of my questions are these. The weird lineups for the Clippers where you got like Luke Kennard out there and uh, you got Terrence Mann not getting any burn at all. And then sometimes he does, which is game three. That came to pass. Just, I don't understand just the lineup combinations that Ty Lu is putting out there. The other question that I have is if Terrence Mann was effective in last series, why just it didn't continue into this series and him get 14 to 18 minutes a game? I just don't understand. These are questions that I have that I'm proposing to you. I expect feedback. You hit me up on Twitter, QPP Network, and on Instagram and Facebook, Question Point Pod Network. Other questions that I have. Is this the end of playoff Rondo? That dude has not been seen. That dude has been iced for real. I don't know where he is. I don't know what his mindset is right now. I don't know if he's like underneath staples, like tied up to a chair and gagged. I have no idea. But playoff Rondo has disappeared. Might have to put an APB out on that cat. The other question I have. Will Paul George stay engaged in this series? Like, dude, if you are one of the like top 20, top 30 players in the league, you can't just disappear. Look at your counterpart. Look at Kawhi Leonard. That dude is a terminator on the court. Like, he came from the future to destroy NBA basketball. That's what that dude is. He's a modern-day Arnold Schwarzenegger in dope kicks and basketball shorts. He just annihilates everything in his path. Paul George, you need to be the same guy. You need to be playoff P or whatever persona you're trying to use now to get you hyped up and get you 
to shoot the way you did in game three. Now, the other question, which is a big question because it came out of game three, is will Donovan Mitchell be effective even though he definitely is injured? He was hobbling along late in that game, and I hope that the uh, the staff of the Utah Jazz can get this dude back up to you know somewhere close to what he was doing in the first round and also early in this series. But if he's hampered like he was walking around after game three or as game three was ending, this might be a tough night for the Utah Jazz. Just saying. Now, the other question that I have, and this is a very important question. Can Jordan Clarkson shoot above 45%? This dude... I understand that he has the green light, but I'm really tired of seeing like 31% from the field from Jordan Clarkson. There has to be other better shots that the Jazz can take than Clarkson just jacking up threes at his leisure. I mean, Boyan Bogdanovich, you know, a couple shots from him. Maybe a couple more pick and rolls with Rudy Gobert. Joe Ingles doing some sort of pick and pop. There's got to be better, more effective ways to get good looks at the bucket than Jordan Clarkson just going, yo, I made one. I'm hot. So I'm going to go ahead and take this 30-footer on the break. I just don't get it. It is, it's been hard to watch him. You know what I'm saying? It's just been real hard to watch Jordan Clarkson just shoot the basketball with reckless abandon. And it doesn't matter if I shoot 30%, if I shoot 25%, it just doesn't matter. Now, the last question that I have about this series is, can Mike Conley stay healthy and help the Jazz get over the top. I don't know. I mean, he wasn't he hasn't been there for the last couple games. So I don't know what the extent of the injury. They've been keeping that very hush hush. Um we just hope that we can get to see Mike Conley in this series. I think he would make a world of difference. He he will help stabilize that offense and maybe Jordan Clarkson doesn't take all these crazy shots that he's been taking. But yeah, Mike Conley needs to get back. I hope he's healthy. We're praying for you, just like we're praying for Kyrie. And we're praying for Joel Embiid, you know, to stay healthy. Because it looks like the playoffs have just become a battle of attrition. Who's going to be the healthiest is going to get to the get to the finals. So, look at your team. If you're Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, you know, Atlanta. If you're Phoenix, the Jazz, the Clippers. Can you stay healthy? Can you have your important guys on the floor? 
because they're not injured. Right now, we have a lot of teams battling it. It's like a mass unit. It's terrible. Gotta get these guys back. I hope we can. And I pray for you guys. Shouts out to Kyrie. Shouts out to Donovan Mitchell. Shouts out to Mike Conley. And shouts out to my dude in Philly, Joel Embiid. I love Joel Embiid. I think he's great. He's funny. I like he trolls on Twitter. It's great. It's fantastic. Now, I have one other thing that I need to talk about um, in regards to the Phoenix series is this. <clears throat> Sun Center DeAndre Ayton had his coming out party in these playoffs. And uh, this is something that the Phoenix Suns organization has been waiting for since they drafted him in 2018. And they have seen the likes of Luka Doncic. And they've seen the likes of Trey Young just go off. And they were looking at their dude going, why aren't you doing that? Why aren't you impacting the game positively for us? But he's all changed in the playoffs. It has, I don't know who flipped that switch. I have an idea. But I'm going to tell you something. DeAndre Ayton is playing like a absolute man. Okay? Um, and it's it seems to have happened overnight. He just figured it out overnight. He said, I'm 7'2". Seven, I'm 7'2". Seven, I'm 250-something pounds. And I'm the baddest man on the court. And it just clicked. His pick and rolls have been awesome. Being aggressive on the defensive side, side um, just not allowing Jokic. Now, you can't stop Jokic, but you can slow him down. And he's done that. So we got to give credit where credit is due. Because here's the other thing. His net rating in the playoffs is a lofty 13.6. You know who gets those type of numbers? LeBron James. Kobe Bryant. People who are like considered top echelon type playoff performers get those type of numbers. But DeAndre Ayton is getting them. And here's the thing. In the middle of the season, it seems like there were teammates and front office people who were worrying about Ayton and his lack of aggressiveness. Now Ayton looks like the draft pick that they thought they were going to get in 2018. And I'll tell you what, since this is a Chris Paul or CP3 appreciation day, we'll also give him credit for unlocking DeAndre Jordan as well. Good job, CP3, from figuring out the enigma that was DeAndre Jordan, uh, DeAndre Ayton and turning him into a absolute playoff monster. Kudos to you, CP3. Now, don't look so scared when you see Jake from State Farms. My man just looks embattled in those commercials. He just looks like he's terribly uncomfortable. It's just crazy. I love those commercials, though. <laughs> All right. We got a couple other things, and then we're going to get up out of here. Um, 
First off, shout out to my boy, Graylin McCain. Okay. If you are new to the podcast, first of all, welcome. Welcome to QP Sports Exchange, where we talk about basketball, we talk about football, we talk about prep athletes, and right now, we're going to get into one of my favorite prep athletes on the planet. Braylon McCain is a guard from the Charlotte area. Shouts out to North Carolina. Shouts out to Mutok Podcast. And its host, Tony Milton, also known as Coach T. But Braylon McCain was the MVP of a tournament that went on. It was the Phenom Summer Showcase. And my guy, Braylon McCain, was the MVP. So we are going to give love to Braylon McCain right now. Hey, bro, keep doing your thing. We talk on IG. It's all love. I pray for your success. I pray for your grind. I pray for your determination. And I pray for you to get all the scholarship offers you can garner. By the way, Mick Cronin, if you're listening to this podcast and you want a guy that is Filthy as far as his crossover. You want a guy who's engaged on defense. You want a guy that can lead an offense. You go check out my boy, Braylon Kane from Charlotte. Go check my boy out. I'm always going to home for UCLA and for them to get uh, good kids and, uh, People, I think, that would fit that program because it's about the four letters on the front. If you listen to any Mick Cronin interview, that's what he talks about. And he talks about the intensity on the defensive side of the ball. You know what I'm saying? So I'm looking for, I know that Braylon wants to go to Duke. Okay, I understand. All right. My man is a Carolina man through and through. And I I don't have no shade on that situation. But you know how I do. I'm always going home for UCLA. It's eight clap all day. And if I can get Braylon McCain to the la la. Are you kidding me? Do you think I would not do that? Absolutely I would do that. So Mick Cronin. You look at my boy. Show him some love. You know what I'm saying? Send some of the assistant coaches out. To check my man out. Give him a look. Because 2023 is just right around the corner. And we need to get dudes. Always recruiting for UCLA. Forever. Now we got a couple little draft uh, tidbits that we need to get to. And a couple of them are interesting. I'm going to leave one for the end. Because it was really interesting. But uh, Fran Fraschella, who is just all over the international guys, he's been really impressed with the growth of forward Usman Garuba, who seems to be either right outside the lottery. He's anywhere from 16 to about 25, depending on the mock that you check out. 
Now, Prochella said that in the last tournament that Guru was in, he showed, uh, you know, just vast improvement. He thought his uh, his outside shot was looking better. His aggressiveness on defense is his ticket into the league, and we'll get that to that in a second. But he was impressed with how he was closing out on people. He was impressed with his presence in the lane. And, you know, Fran has been on these international dudes for more than a decade now. He gives us great stuff every year. We would not know these dudes if it wasn't like for Fran Fischella's of the world, the Mike Schmitz of the world, um, the Gavonis uh, of the world. We wouldn't know about these dudes. So, shouts out to my guys who do this on a regular. Also, I'm gonna shout out one of my one of my guys that is real tight with me. He is on IG NBA Draft Scout NBA Draft Scouting. So look him up on IG. A lot of good information, but. Pramchilla was very impressed with Usman Garuba. And the reason why we bring him up is because we get to our last point of the day. Sources are telling me that Oregon wing Chris Duarte has declined the invitation to the scouting combine. And I'm going to tell you right now, if he declined that, he has, he has a promise from the NBA team. Somebody's promised this kid that they're going to draft him in the first round. I'm letting you know now. Now, I'm not saying that um, that's a bad situation for him. I'm not saying that he shouldn't go out there and compete. But if you know that you're going to get drafted in the first round and it seems like maybe a good situation for you, yeah, go ahead. Shut it down. You know? Just continue to get into your bag and make sure that you are as ready for training camp as you possibly can be. I have no problem with with this situation whatsoever. And the reason why I talked about these two gentlemen is because I've seen both of these gentlemen mocked for number 22. And if you don't know who's in that 22 slot, let me let you know the Los Angeles Lakers are in that 2020 is are in that 22 spot okay and just like Bill Simmons homes for the Celtics I home for the Lakers so this is your obligatory Lakers take of the day all right all right so that is the news of the day Excuse the rant at the start of the podcast, but I felt that it was necessary to do. And we're going to leave you with this. Be good to yourself. Take care of you. Make sure you are good. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with positive people. Make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who are being benefits to your life. And make sure you appreciate those said people. Okay? Then, once you've done that and you're centered and you're ready to go out into the world, make sure your neighbor is good. A friendly wave. A smile. 
a hello, chocolate it up for a second, whatever the case may be. Maybe, you know, they're a little down out of luck and then, you know, you can get them a couple groceries. Go ahead and do so that way. And then the third thing is this. Donate some time to a worthwhile organization. Okay. We have a no doubt about it person or entity or company of the week. And I want you to be one of those people. Go out and impact your community in a positive way either by volunteering your time at some of these organizations, or if you don't have the time to do that because life is stressful and you got stuff going on and what have you, if you are blessed financially, drop a couple dollars at one of these uh, organizations that's doing good in the community, that's taking care of people who are less fortunate than we are. We are truly blessed. You know, I am a faithful follower of God. I do not hide that on this podcast. I do not hide my faith. Now, if you're not, if that's not your cup of tea, I understand that. That's my cup of tea. That's how I get down. I don't do anything without God. I don't tie my shoe, blow my nose, chew gum, take a breath, put my feet on the ground in the morning without God. That's just me. Now, you You might have instincts and intuition or whatever it is. And that's good for you. All right. But that's how I get down. So that is what the show is all about. Oh, keep in mind. I oh, shots out to the listeners before I go. Shots out to the listeners. I believe that there's a good possibility by Friday, which is football Friday. So if you're looking for your football podcast, it will be Friday. There was a football Friday last Friday. But by that that time, we might be at 10,000 downloads. And 10,000 downloads, when you are not, have that blue check mark on your Twitter And when you are growing your podcast network from the ground up and you're not doing it with a bunch of money behind you, I think 10,000 downloads in less than a year because we started this podcast in August is a major accomplishment. Shout out to all the listeners, every last one of you. I see you, Japan, okay? I see you, United Emeritus people over in the Middle East. I see France. I see you, UK. I see you, Scotland. I see you, Germany, okay? I see you, India. India blows it up every week. I don't know what's going on in India, but I sure do appreciate it. Australia, what up? New Zealand, how the hell are you doing? Okay. Then we got Brazil. Then we have the Congo in Africa. Then we got our people in Canada. And last but not least... Let me thank 
the United States of America, particularly my people in Jersey. Shout out to all my people in Secaucus, New Jersey. You know who you are who are downloading the podcast. Fantastic for you. I am grateful for all of it. Shouts out to everybody. We are getting close to 10,000 downloads. I couldn't be happier. It's a dream come true. So on that note, we can get up out of here and I can go watch some basketball and you do the same. Atlanta, Philly, in a couple minutes, we're out of here. You guys enjoy the week. I'll be back on Friday to do that podcast. Please get your submissions in for no doubt about it person of the week or entity or company of the week um shout out to the people who are start who were hitting me on um messenger i love it keep on doing it keep on bringing that energy you know what i'm saying if you have questions or you want me to spotlight a team or you have a prep athlete that you want to give some love to it's real easy twitter qpp network and on instagram and facebook question point pod network and with that you know what i'm doing i am bad we out